SpongeBob, Shrek, The Daily Show, Sailor Moon, Boy Bands, Sports Enthusiasts, Sherlock Holmes, Barbie, Britney Spears, Hello Kitty, Jandek, Comic Books, Superheroes, Buffy. These are just some of the many, many topics I cover on my podcast, How to Stand, a show about both specific fandoms and just pop culture, internet culture, internet trends overall. Check out How to Stand in the same feed as my other podcast, 17 Karat K-Pop, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm an independent creator, and so please spread the word about the show. There's an episode for every interest, and I really do appreciate the support spreading the word. You can also find out more info at my site, 17 karatkpopweeblycom Thanks so much. Welcome back to How to Stand. Today we are diving into the magical, wonderful, fascinating world of American Girl. And I'm just going to be upfront and honest right away. I love American Girl. Always have. I grew up with the brand. The care and keeping of you was my Bible. It got me through puberty, basically. The whole book series about advice about money, advice about self-care, advice about friendships, advice about school... The series of advice books was my North Star as a kid. Plus, I love the dolls. I personally have an affinity for Nellie and Samantha and the Biddy twins, who are sadly, sadly discontinued. But anyway, so I do have some bias here. But I do want to more objectively, too, look at the appeal of American Girl. Because it's had some interesting ups and downs over the years, and quite an interesting backstory, quite an evolution, that I have mixed feelings about. Let's just get into it and figure out why the heck this brand prevails time after time, year after year. What made it so culturally always relevant? American Girl was created by a teacher named Pleasant Rowland. That's her real name. Loved her already after hearing that. Pleasant is from the Chicago area and she visited Colonial Williamsburg on a vacation. There, she really developed this idea and saw a gap in the market. Because a lot of the dolls being marketed to kids in the 80s were just straight-up baby dolls or voluptuous Barbie dolls, and preteen dolls weren't really a thing. And there wasn't really a doll out there that was super educational. So she came up with the original line of American Girls, made with that idea of introducing people through these characters to history. She started out with a series of five characters, but it did expand. You just had to get them through the mail. This started in 1986, and she actually took some inspiration from a German toy line when creating the design. These historical characters each had a backstory in history and a book to go with them. So when you got the doll, she came with accessories and an outfit, but also a book. I love these books so much. Truly, it got me into history. I've been such a history buff since I was younger because of American Girl. It was very effective at getting people to find history interesting and see themselves in these young girls starring in the stories. So I was fascinated learning about history with intensity too. I mean, they didn't gloss over a bunch of harrowing parts of history, but they did touch on them in age-appropriate ways. It was very, very informative and helpful to read. Felicity was a character from the Revolutionary War, and her corresponding book focused on the friction between families because her best friend's family was for one side of the war and hers was another. Eddie Walker is set in the Civil War era and escaped to freedom from slavery. Kirsten was a pioneer whose best friend died of cholera. My girl, Samantha, she lived in Victorian times, and her best friend, Nellie, was an Irish immigrant and had to deal with child labor, working in a dangerous factory. 
there's Molly living through World War II, there's Kit living through the Great Depression, and I truly learned so much about all those time periods from the books, and even just the accessories that came with them were designed for that era. What made this so special to have the historical focus was not just the educational value, but the exclusivity of having one. Because you could buy from any brand a doll bed or a generic doll table or doll pair of PJs or something. But you could only go to American Girl to shop for a Victorian-era nightgown for a doll or a banana seat bike that was all the rage in the 70s or a 1700s-style canopy bed, etc. So it really helped the brand make its name, make its mark early. Plus, it was known for very high quality, and it could be very high quality because people were willing to pony up big bucks for these dolls because parents felt like it's educational value, it's a nice alternative to Barbie, these dolls don't look so unattainably proportional, shall we say? So parents were on board too. In 1990, that's when things started changing a bit, and the brand expanded to include modern-day dolls, without a historical backstory, starting with Biddy Baby, who comes with a Biddy Bear that comes with all these little accessories. So, like, Biddy will have her little purse, and there will also be a little purse for Biddy Bear. Just an example. But, like, everything came mini, and then mini-mini for her. Really cute. In 92, one of my favorite things to read as I grew up, American Girl magazine premiered. Well, the first issue was out by the end of the year. This magazine targeting tweens was so helpful when I was growing up. It had so much advice. It had so much reader input, story contests, and things like that. It really was a place for young girls to feel seen and heard. In 93, they finally introduced the first black American girl doll, Addie Walker, the one who escaped slavery in her book. The American Girl of Today series started in 94, further expanding out of the historical focus. The arguably most transformational year for American Girl was 1998, when Pleasant Company was sold to Mattel, the toy juggernaut behind Barbie, Hot Wheels, etc. Which is super ironic because parents liked American Girl as an alternative to Barbies, and now Barbie owned American Girl. Anyway... This was a $700 million deal, and Pleasant and her husband actually spent $200 million of that deal investing in refurbishing, remodeling the Madison Overture Center for the Arts. Love that. With Mattel on board came some big changes. Not all of them negatively received, but over time it would definitely grow the backlash. We'll get to that, but let's talk about the experiences they sold when the first physical store opened up on Chicago Avenue in 98. This was truly my Christmas as a kid. The days I went to the American Girl store, it was so cool because I could bring my Samantha Ernelli, my sister brought her bitty baby, and they treat the dolls there like people. So you can eat at the cafe and they'll bring up a little doll-sized height chair and cup and plate. It's so cute. You can get your doll a spa appointment, a hair appointment. There's even a doll hospital, so if you had an issue, got lipstick all over your doll or something, they would clean them up and bring them out sometimes in an arm cast or something like that to really, again, treat you like your doll was your baby. It was such a cool alternate universe because no one around you is like, oh, that's so cute. You're pretending it's real. 
no, the staff at American Girl Place don't treat you like you're silly, don't patronize you, just say, yeah, it is, and they validate that. So I'm rambling a bit now, but I'm just saying, the experience was super special. They were selling so much more than physical items, but an experience which was not as common as it is today. Stores didn't have that kind of interactive component. They were quite innovative in that way. You could spend a whole day there, not just shopping, but going to the cafe. You could DIY a matching t-shirt for you and your doll. I got a personalized cover there. Like I took a photo shoot with my girl Nellie. Got to keep like a fake magazine cover. So I had a cover of American Girl magazine with me and Nellie's picture on it told all the kids at school I was on the cover of American Girl. Not sure they believed me, but whatever. I also adored there the theater. They had this live show, The American Girl Review. It was in a really cute theater, very intimate, just 150 seats in the basement of that building. The show had three separate young casts doing up to 16 shows a week, but they all did the same show, which was basically a musical bringing to life the historical character stories. It was set to a live band, and honestly, the soundtrack was a bop. Like, I had that on a CD player all the time. The idea further made American Girl stand out. I mean, what other retail store had that degree of in-house entertainment? And again, bringing this character to life for you, validating your sense of having a relationship, a friendship with your character, with your dolls. The idea was actually pitched to Pleasant Rowland in just one setting. It took one pitch meeting, and songwriters Gretchen Cryer and Nancy Ford sold her on this. They added a second musical to the lineup called Circle of Friends, set in contemporary times in 2001. That one had a bigger ensemble cast of over 40. In 2002, they debuted Girl of Many Lands, a collection of nine-inch dolls who were 12-year-old characters from history, so pretty much the American Girl classic characters, but smaller and meant for display only, not play. This might be needless to say, but it was discontinued a few years later. As a kid, I certainly didn't get the appeal of them, because I was like, what's the point of a doll if I'm not going to play with it? The brand expanded into cinema with 2004's first American Girl movie. I adored these movies so much, and truly looking back, they were pretty high quality, at least at first. I didn't see the newer ones, but the OGs, Samantha, Felicity's movie, those were really good. Like, honestly, if you have to babysit and watch something that you'll like too, go watch one of those. It can get pretty dark, but again, stays pretty age-appropriate and educational. But they're set in dark times in history. There are so many really famous names who are in the American Girl movies that people probably totally forgot about. Anna Sophia Robb of The Carrie Diaries played Samantha. Shailene Woodley of Divergent and Secret Life of the American Teenager and The Fault in Our Stars, she played Felicity. Abigail Breslin, Little Miss Sunshine herself, was Kit. Sammy Hanratty from Yellow Jackets was Krissa. Olivia Rodrigo played Grace. In 2003, the year before this movie, the Biddy Twins debuted, as did Hopscotch Hill, who were 16-inch dolls that also came with their books, another contemporary focus. And not holding a candle to the Biddy Twins if you ask me, but I digress. Hopscotch Hill was discontinued by 2006, and the American Girl of Today line was rebranded just like you. In August 2006, 14 of the 18 full-time actors at American Girl Place in New York went on strike. They negotiated a two-year contract eventually that was set to take effect right before, coincidentally, question mark, there were some changes, and pretty soon, the whole American Girl Theater production shut down. 
in 2008. A lot of sad things happened, if you ask me. The original American Girl place with the theater in the basement and everything in Chicago was relocated to a smaller venue in Water Tower Place. All American Girl theaters shut down that fall, and Samantha was discontinued, or as they put it, going into the archives for a while. In just 2009, American Girl surpassed $436 million in sales. In 2010, Just Like You was rebranded a second time to My American Girl. That's also when they started Interstar You. We'll talk about that project in a minute. A series of picture books, Bitty Baby Books, was released in 2013, which, not super relevant, but still, was also the year American Girl really hit a peak financially. That was one of their peaks, one of their years where things were on the up and up. They drew ire the following year in 2014, when two of the dolls they discontinued were Cecile and Ivy, two of the only minority characters. They claim this was just a pure business decision, nothing to do with race. I will say it probably was both. The minority characters weren't selling as well, and so they got rid of them. Sad but true, probably. They were not the favorites. That year also, the original Dolls Like Samantha came back, re-debuted out of the archives, with renewed interest and a new book to go with their story. By 2015, Inner Star U shut down, and My American Girl was rebranded a third time to be called Truly Me. 2016, the Biddy Twins were discontinued, and the ones I have a grudge against for presumably replacing Biddy Twins in the catalog, Welly Wishers debuted, which were not as cute or fun. Yet another spin on contemporary characters was the focus when, in 2017, this Create Your Own series started. It feels like every toy brand thinks they need to have that one generic boy doll and no other. That's why Barbie has Ken and then a bunch of girlfriends. You get the one boy doll in your toy line. They don't want more than that is their assumption, I guess. So this time, I guess, now that the sweet boy Biddy Twin was gone, they introduced Logan, who's not as cute. He's this bandmate of a country singer. Anyway. They had a really kind of bizarre source of backlash that year for a separate reason, because for a short period of time, they changed the torsos so your doll came with non-detachable undies. They announced that in February, by May, the backlash had gotten so intense, they reversed it and even offered you a one-time torso exchange for your doll if you wanted. Never ever want to go into a store and say, hi, I'm here for the torso exchange. They have actually been criticized before for things like that, like when they for a short time opted for cheaper, shoddier packaging. So the high quality of the brand is actually reinforced by fans of it, because the high quality is one of the things that makes people feel like it's worth the expense and makes the brand stand out. So if they go to the cheaper stuff, or they go to just more generic stuff, or less personalized stuff, harshing your creativity basically by just having one pair of undies connected to the doll's torso. There's been pressure against that that has had a real effect. The rise of digital toys corresponded with a drop in other toys, and Mattel's overall sales dropped in 2018, as well as American Girl specifically, by 28%. In early 2019, American Girl magazine printed its final issue, was sort of replaced with American Girl podcasts, which as sad as it is that it's probably replaced reading magazines, obviously I have nothing against podcasts, and this one's really cool about, it's taught by actual historians about the story behind the stories of those historical characters. In 2019, two American Girl stores had to close, one in Minnesota at Mall of America and one in Boston. 
and sales dropped 32% in quarter one, another 22% in quarter two. Continued dropping all year, then had an unexpected rise back up 13% in 2020, when more parents were buying toys to keep their kids occupied at home during pandemic lockdowns. The appeal also seemed to bounce back because of the venue being so Instagram-worthy. And so lots of influencers and people who grew up with the brand, like me, were having renewed interest in going for aesthetic purposes. Also, with the proliferation of unboxing videos, DIY doll outfit decorating type videos, YouTube content, memes, the ability to repurpose and use American Girl dolls for social media posts made it exciting again for older people too, not just young girls. Lots of different ways to have fun with American Girl, even if it's just a sassy meme. We all can enjoy it. I also think the pandemic caused people to really tap into their inner child more. I know it did for me. I got nostalgic for some of my old favorites. In other words, nostalgic for a time pre-pandemic. In 2021, sales continued to rise. Plus, American Girl got in the National Toy Hall of Fame and debuted a new line, World Like Us. In May of this year, 2022, the American Girl Podcast Network was established. So now there are three original American Girl podcasts based on the series I mentioned earlier, A Smart Girl's Guide to Blank. Overall, over 32 million American Girl dolls have been sold and over 157 million books. It is also, as of recording time, won eight times the Oppenheimer Toy Portfolio Award. So they had the historical characters, they had the Biddy Baby and Biddy Bear that she came with, the Biddy Twins, they had some pets as well, the Girl of Modern Lands, the World Like Us series, that's newer, that's related to social justice causes, the Welly Wishers, who will never be the same as Biddy Twins, but they're trying to be, that preschool age middle ground between the Biddy Baby and the American Girl, there's Girl of the Year, modeled after a different girl every year, a real girl every year, Hopscotch Hill, Just Like You Ones, you can customize to look just like you. That's the one that's gone through a bajillion rebrands. The magazine, movies, in-person events, pop-up events, birthday parties you could have in the store, all the other in-store experiences I already described. That's basically a summary of what they offer or have offered before. And they've stood out for the educational value, for just valuing and uplifting girls and validating their place in the world and helping them grow up and feel seen and heard. They have had controversies, not just the frustrations over the working condition issues that prompted those young actors years ago to strike, but also with quality, but also with this pivot, the metallification of Pleasant Company, the change to be more similar to what else is on the market by shifting so much focus into new lines of dolls based in modern day, so not in history. The historical characters, especially as they went into the archives, as they say, especially as they got pulled from the shelves only to be repackaged later, the history really took a backseat over the past 10, 20 years. And the brand has looked in some ways more and more like other brands. They no longer offer so many in-store unique perks. They shifted to an online focus with Inner Star U, which was basically like Webkin's or Littlest Pet Shop or Club Penguin, but for American Girl. You bought something and then you could get an access code with it to play in this online world. They also pivoted towards a digital focus for ads, 
They have this really clever campaign, honestly, Shine On Now. It was a charity campaign, but it was one of those that a company does where like, if you click these buttons on their site, you will make donations. They will make donations on your behalf. Basically, it's when they donate what they could have donated regardless, but they do so while incentivizing people to use their site. Not to just boost site traffic and get people to buy stuff while they're there, but also because then they can data mine from that, figure out who's visiting their site, and use that data to target ads toward them later on. So they encouraged you, come back to our site each day during the Shine On Now campaign, and every visit will allow you to donate stars to our fundraiser. And the goal was for 1 million stars to be donated. And once your little virtual hypothetical star was donated, if they got to a million, American Girl would donate a million dollars in both cash and toys to four different charities. Kids in Distress Situations, the National Wildlife Federation, Save the Children, and the National Association of Children's Hospitals. The promo ran at the same time as they were doing a big promo push for Just Like You, the upteenth rebranding of that personalized doll. So every visit to their site made you feel like you were making a difference and was further coaxing you to just buy the Just Like You doll already. So smart. They have stayed quite philanthropic, I will say. And you could hate the player, but I would say hate the game that causes them to mix money-making with charity, but I digress. They also have donated in the past to Girls Inc., a group that helps underprivileged girls, despite backlash they got from some homophobic American Girl fans. They also have been criticized by some big publications. The Washington Post years ago wrote that the brand now involved, quote, comfortable privileged with idiotic sounding names and few problems, rough edges sanded, real dangers excluded, unquote. Lauren Faust, creator of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, has also expressed disappointment, saying the brand has now become, quote, homogenized for money, unquote. The brand has also been criticized before for the lack of diversity in main characters, and how some events were still omitted completely, like colonization, not a thing in the book series. And the only disabled characters in the books are side characters, like in the books. They don't even have their own dolls. Plus, residents of the real-life neighborhood upon which Marisol's story is based, she's one of the girls of the year, they really took issue with descriptions of their Chicago neighborhood as dangerous and Marisol wanting to escape to the suburbs. Although a spokesperson said, quote, We feel that this brief passage has been taken out of context. In the story, you'll see that Marisol's parents want to have a house and a yard and a place for her to play. There are other reasons, too, that they are talking about moving, unquote. They have really tried to keep voices in the room that ensure representation is accurate. Melody, the character living in the civil rights era, was created with the help of a six-person advisory board, including African-American studies professors and the board of directors chairman for the NAACP. And her book was written by Denise Lewis-Patrick, who actually grew up in the civil rights era. Nanea, a character from Hawaii, was actually created after being inspired by the book Pearl Harbor Child. They reached out to the author and asked for permission to use it as source material and had her help create this doll of the backstory for her every step of the way. They also made sure Kaya and her native culture were not just some monolith or amalgamation, but very distinct from a specific tribe when creating her look from the 1700s. 
Yeah, the fact she's from the 1700s did draw ire as well, that the native representation is viewed as ancient in the past, but they did make sure that her look and her accessories in her story were all culturally specific to the Nez Perce community and had a Nez Perce advisory board work on it. So American Girl has really changed the world of toys. For better and for worse, it has in some ways perpetuated stereotypes, in other ways really helped break them, and just show who girls really are from all backgrounds. It's really just been a groundbreaking brand that I think is here to stay. Because not only are the IRL experiences so Instagram-worthy, and we're all trying to heal our inner child, I think, after the turbulent past few years, new relevance, the new life they've gotten through social media, sometimes maybe ironic love for them, but it's still publicity for them. But also because people like me who grew up so grateful to this brand for helping foster our sense of self-worth as kids, we're having kids of our own and passing on that fondness for the brand in its original purpose. And because there's an inevitable backlash to the digital toy focus, all the digital and tech-focused trends of kids' toys, it always eventually leads to a turnaround and analog toys become all the rage again. Melissa and Doug, other brands like that, been doing really well lately because parents are tired of getting their kids the electronic stuff. And some parents very much go out of their way to have their whole parenting style focus on teaching and using toys, not screens. Plus there are brands like Love Very, which is actually an analog toy company Silicon Valley investors have been banking big on, so don't rule out dolls ever. I want to leave you with comments that really, really struck me that summarize why I think so many people love this brand, me included. And they come from an interview Valerie Tripp did. She wrote a ton of the original American Girl books. And she was opening up about why she was so brutally honest about history in some of those books. Again, some of the issues they didn't talk about, but the ones they did, why she did. Why there was dark content in these books. And I love the way she framed it as respectful to our intellect. Quote, this comes from respect for the reader. I felt that it was my job to reassure my reader that difficult things will happen to them. You're going to experience big changes, and you're not going to end up where you began. But here's the thing. You will be all right. I was trying to tell the reader, you're making choices that will have an effect on history. You're far more influential than these fictional characters. You need to take yourself seriously and see yourself as a responsible actor because you have a role to play in this world, unquote. Similarly validating, Jamie Seigelman, general manager who used to actually work at Barbie, said, quote, The stories we tell through American Girl are really about the rights of girlhood. Pleasant Rowland set them against the context of various historical periods, but what's enduring is the things that are important to girls as they're growing up, unquote. I do find it sad that the historical character focus has been narrowed extremely compared to what it once was. I mean, they went from a freaking live original musical to teach history to a few historical characters left on the market while the others stay in the archives until they're repackaged. But I think that core underlying reason for the appeal is still there. The brand hasn't just totally gone metallified. It hasn't gone just fully run-of-the-mill, fully homogenous, fully like every other toy. It still has this core uniqueness rooted in it, I see. 
with the podcast teaching the history, with the book series that endures. So as much as it is just a market situation, they are listening to feedback and they want that feedback. And what ultimately to me sets this brand apart is that they seem to genuinely care more about the people who use their dolls, the people who want to play with dolls. What is it about the dolls that appeals to people? They care about what that answer is. Pleasant Rowland cares about that answer. Obviously, at the end of the day, you could be cynical and just say, every company is doing it for the money. But my inner optimist likes to also think that the creator of a brand does not become totally disillusioned with what their brand evolves into to accommodate the changing marketplace. I'd like to think that creators with these sweet, genuine intentions see those intentions still rooted somewhere at the core of those companies. Because at the end of the day, whether the focus shifts away from historical characters or not, the focus is still at the end of the day on trying to help girls see themselves in the past, present, and future. Relating to past characters, seeing how lessons from history apply to the present moment, and therefore then shaping a future that learns from both. The betterment of girls, becoming better people in this world, and just the sense of mattering. Your concerns matter, your interests matter. That sense of validation still comes from the brand in their products, even as the focus becomes more personalized as opposed to history-focused. That underlying goal of helping you see yourself in this brand is still being realized. Hopefully that makes sense. I did read some more in-depth research papers, sociological analysis of the brand and similar ones. I don't think you want to hear all the sociology jargon. I will link to the full studies on my site as always. But just know there's a lot of interesting context here. And this is a brand forevermore I think you should keep your eyes on. It really is a microcosm of a bunch of different ways brands have done things bad and good and what that means about the customers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.